0: Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Steve Potts, family law specialist,
1: and we want to be able to unpack some of the things that are happening overseas and with a focus close to home of things that are going on in Australia when it comes to custody of children. Uh, If we were focusing on things that are going on in Lebanon at the moment, as you've probably been following in the news headlines, The father at the centre of a child abduction saga in Lebanon says he's not willing to drop charges against his estranged wife because he believes it would lead to the release of the Nine Network 60 Minutes news team who filmed the operation and those who carried it out. Well, the sentiment is that if Australian woman Sally Faulkner goes out on bail... Uh, then all of those in the team would also get out at the same time. That appears to be the thought of the estranged husband of Sally Faulkner, whose name is Ali Elamain, and his lawyers. Now, of course, as we've been saying, that's uh, entangled in all of this, 60 Minutes journalist Tara Brown and uh, Australian woman Sally Faulkner, they were escorted handcuffed into the judge's office for a third session of questioning overnight before that case adjourned until tomorrow uh, for further investigations. Now, negotiations had been progressing between the lawyers for Mrs. Faulkner and Mr. Elamane when suddenly Mr. Elamane's lawyer said, uh, we're not in a hurry. So there could be some indicator that this could be quite a drawn-out case ahead and, of course, making uh, international headlines when it comes to this issue of child custody, abduction, now alleged kidnapping and of course these sorts of things happening in a context which is not so familiar to what we might think uh, the way things operate on Australian soil when it comes to our legal system. Let's get some thoughts and uh, we'll start to talk about how we can uh, unpack things and the risks and the challenges for Australian families who are separated. Stephen Potts, welcome back to 2020. It's good to be back Neil. Stephen, you've been following along this whole issue, which what's been going on in Lebanon. Mm -hmm. Um, Just uh, quickly, you've got some great uh, perspectives when it comes to law in Australia and family law and what happens in the context of another nation like Lebanon. And of course, mixed in with all of that, it's actually more than a custody battle. That's right. So in a situation like this,
2: we've got clearly family law issues, two parents who have been in dispute about the care of their children. But the nature of the way in which this um, recovery type operation has played out looks like it's also blurred into criminal uh, lines as well. So you've got these very high um, emotive issues like children travelling overseas without permission or contrary to what might have been agreed – And mixed in with that are all of the um, international criminal type issues. Well, they're not so much international criminal issues necessarily, but they're perhaps local criminal issues plus international family law issues plus just all of the emotion that goes with parents who have separated and, and what
1: arrangements would be made for their children. This other dimension too, of course, uh, the religious issues that are at the heart of all of that and uh, where you've got an estranged husband who's a Muslim, you've got an Australian woman who you might say uh, comes from a a land that has uh, this image of being a Christian country, uh, at least a Western woman. Uh, There's all sorts of issues that come into the mix when it comes to the religious ways that these things could be sorted out in the courts there. That's right, and so a country like Lebanon will have its
2: own uh, family law system which may be influenced by the religious law of the country as well and that might be very different to uh, the Australian family law system which has historically come from a Christian background but of course is adapted year on, just about year on year uh, with various um, changes that come about from the nature
1: of uh, social sciences and, the, and what's best for the development of children. Let's talk in general because I want to invite listeners to be part of our conversation and listeners might have their own question to ask a family law specialist when it comes to these, uh, these sorts of things that are becoming very much commonplace in so many Australian families. The fact that uh, families don't always stay together together. Uh, that there are uh there are breakups and there are divorces, and that children are often in the center of all of that uh, when we discuss children at the centre, uh, I guess what's happening overseas is a warning uh, to just how bad things can go wrong, even here in australia that's right, and I think um
2: We've talked in the past about uh, just the the mobility of people these days the, who who might move um, interstate or internationally for work commitments or even just uh, across different sides of a capital city and uh, that can that can create a lot of uh, challenges for people and, and the way that they parent their children. but uh, in a situation like this, what we're really talking about is where it's a, a very strongly opposed relocation or a relocation that's been done, without any knowledge and someone's either travelled to a foreign jurisdiction with the children without, without the uh, other parent knowing or there was an agreement to go for a period of time and then they've overstayed that period and not returned to the country. So that's really the kinds of situation that's led to what's happened here um, with uh, Lebanon and, and Sally Faulkner. And uh, listeners may remember it happened a few years ago, three, four years ago perhaps, uh, with some uh, four girls who were from an Australian mother and an Italian father and in fact um i think 60 minutes covered that story as well uh, so it's and that that was a matter that went through the um the family court uh initially in brisbane and then the full court of the family court on, on appeal and then ultimately all the way up to the high court um and in, in that particular situation it was a very highly emotive and very charged listeners may remember the pictures on the news of the children screaming and the aunts and the and the grandparents um the grandmother in particular so it's a, it's a very a motive area, and
1: it's a very challenging area when parents just uh, take action unilaterally. And I guess it's the risk that a bigger news organisation like the Nine Network, and uh, with 60 Minutes, they might be prepared to take a risk. Because if it all had come off and uh, they'd uh, taken the children, uh, the recovery was successful, they're on a yacht, they're out of Lebanon, uh, and they'd filmed it all, it could have been that, uh, that you know, somehow or other Channel 9 uh, scored this big story. Everybody's happy uh, from Australia's point of view. Uh, 60 Minutes becomes the hero in all of that. Uh, but when it all goes bad, um, I guess it's the risk that media companies take uh, to, uh, to actually try and get the big story. That's that's certainly true,
2: and I think that um, whenever you have a situation where um, people step outside of a legal framework, it becomes very unpredictable as to what will happen, and uh, that's where that's where the risk uh, comes. There's a, there are a lot of um, laws that regulate these kinds of things. Lebanon is a bit of a, a special case, but there are laws that do regulate these kinds of situations. So whenever people uh, engage in, uh, in, a, in a method that's outside of those legal frameworks, it is uh,
1: fraught with danger. Let's talk about those different legal frameworks. And of uh, course, we want to bring this back to uh, what happens close to home uh, here in Australia. And for those uh, families where children are the object of uh, some custody challenges here and even the idea of travelling overseas. We want to come back to that and open our talkback lines for listeners to perhaps uh, offer a question or a comment about this. But 1-800-316-316 uh, is our talkback line. Let's talk about this, uh, this international convention that you mentioned uh, because the laws are very different in Lebanon to what they are in Australia. That's right. So Australia is a signatory to a
2: convention called the Convention on the Civil Aspects of International Child Abduction. It's uh, lawyers, family lawyers just call it the Hague Convention because as many of these UN-type conventions uh, are made at the Hague. Um, it was made in, it was originally um, entered into in 1980 and over the years a number of other countries have joined it. Uh, and that, that uh, except Lebanon, Lebanon's one of the countries that hasn't uh, joined it. But that convention effectively operates between the signatory countries to provide a method for children to be returned to another country to the country that they may have come from not because they will then permanently live in that country but return to that country for the purpose of making a decision about where they might live so it's called the the language is uh, is slightly different to the language we use in Australia but it's the uh, the language talks about the children being returned to their place of habitual residence because the idea is that if a child has been taken overseas unilaterally and without um, without notice to another parent, or they've overstayed, the dispute about where that child should live is going to be difficult to run when all of the evidence is back in the previous country that they came from. Now, not all of the evidence will be there, but a lot of it will be. And if you think, if you just take a hypothetical situation of some young children in Australia, all of their doctors' reports, all of their schooling history, all of their peer network, all of the other support network that they might have been involved with is going to be here in Australia and if they're unilaterally taken even somewhere nearby like New Zealand it's not a long distance maybe three four hours flight away but it's um, all of the evidence is still going to be in Australia so that Hague Convention that International Convention on the Civil Aspects of Child Abduction as opposed to the criminal aspects of child abduction that convention regulates the way in which the children would be returned to Australia so that the Australian court could make the decision now the decision might be that they are given permission to go to that foreign country, whether it be New Zealand or the UK or Fiji or wherever it might be. But the decision is made by the
1: Australian court rather than the court of the country to which they went. And while this is a high profile case that we're talking about with Sally Faulkner and her estranged husband and their two children aged five and three, when we think of what is happening in day-to-day life here in Australian society, these things that don't make the headlines every day, and in fact uh, it's often difficult talking about family law issues because there are all sorts of legalities in the way that the media can report on those, but these things are happening, it's, it's, the, it's almost the bread and butter for family lawyers. It tends to be um, because
2: people who are able to reach an agreement by themselves don't tend to get stuck in the, the legal system for very long. They're able to work through their arrangements, so it tends to be the more complicated issues that bubble to the surface. And, and unilateral travel with children or taking children, not returning children, disappearing with children, is not confined, obviously, to international matters. There are uh, There's another framework of, of, of uh, rules and, and sections of the Family Law Act that relate to parents who might travel within Australia and not return children or not provide details
1: of where those children are. I guess it begs the question, at what point does the civil dispute over custody for children escalate to become a criminal issue? Mm. And uh, we can perhaps clearly see where that might have happened uh, in the case of Sally Faulkner. But for ordinary families who go through a breakup and children are uh, caught in the middle of that, mm. uh, are we talking mostly the fact that it's just a civil dispute or it's a civil custody issue or does it often escalate into these criminal areas? It, it uh, By and large it's a civil matter. It can escalate into criminal
2: matters when it comes to international travel. So to give you a quick example, if parents have gone through the family court system, whether it be the result of a trial or whether they reach an agreement and they've asked the court to make an order by consent, if there's an order in place and they travel internationally without the agreement of the other parent, they've actually committed an offence. So that is a crime. They've committed an offence. So that's obviously, it's one of those things that people often may not know about and they inadvertently do it because it can happen as simply as parents might agree that uh, they each share Christmas holidays, for example. And so one parent says, well, this Christmas I've got some extra time off. I might go on a cruise through the South Pacific and they get on board a boat at Sydney or Brisbane, and they go out towards Vanuatu, well, they've inter- immediately they've gone into international orders, they've travelled overseas, they have inadvertently, perhaps, but nonetheless broken the law. So that's where it does become a criminal matter. Um, I'm sure it happens a lot more than is ever prosecuted and, and often it's dealt with, but it, it is a, a situation that arises, as opposed to a parent who, say, retains a child or might travel uh, interstate with a child, uh, that in, in and of itself is really a, uh, a criminal matter. It's typically a civil matter.
1: Well, you can be part of our conversation today and you may have a question. And uh, on all sorts of different family law issues, our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Uh, you might have uh, this as part of your own uh, family situation. And, and as I often say, we spend a lot of time on vision Uh, promoting those things that will grow strong families, strong marriages, and a lot of effort is put into those things that will undergird and put foundations in place for strong marriages. But we also realise that sometimes things go pear-shaped and sometimes those relationships fall to pieces. Families are cast into unknown waters. And so an opportunity today, if you have a family law question, to talk to a family law specialist who is a Christian family law specialist, Stephen Potts. He's the managing director of Newman and Turner Lawyers and he is our guest through this hour. We're talking through issues, travelling overseas with children, and there might be some other areas of
0: family law you might have a question to ask Stephen. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. We're
1: talking about what happens when you travel overseas with children if those children have been the the object of a... uh, 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 in a sense, uh, where those children have been part of a custody issue, if there's been a split in a marriage, a split in a family, well, you can be part of our conversation today on 1-800-316-316. one 316 316 Steve, we'll get into some issues to do with this international convention that we've been talking about and just how that works. But uh, first of all, let's take a call from Robin in Sydney. Hi, Robin. Welcome along. Robin, are you with us? Yes, yes. Your voice is very a bit faint. Oh, apologies for that. Uh, what are your thoughts, Robin?
2: Well, I'm interested to know uh,
1: about the Sally Faulkner case. That really does intrigue me no end. I want to know exactly what happened that the whole um, thing was botched by the team and by you know by them, whoever was going to bring the children back here what happened that's what i'm interested because i wasn't following the case
0: from the beginning i only started uh well last thursday or friday Uh,
1: from what i understand robin uh what happened with the uh, child recovery process was actually filmed on closed circuit television And the images that we've seen on TV were not images that were recorded by the Channel 9 news team. In fact, they weren't actually even, as far as I'm aware, even anywhere near that. Our focus today is primarily on these big legal issues uh, that are happening in Lebanon and how those compare with us in Australia. But uh, Stephen Potts, do you have any thoughts to, to share with Robin with regard to her question? Uh, Robin, I haven't heard all of the backstory to
2: how it's arisen. Um, it's, it seems to me that there was a, a fairly long-running family dispute between the mother and the father, and the situation is, is similar, in a sense, to the arrangements that happened with the, the Italian girls three or four years ago, in that the parties were living overseas. Uh, as I understand it, they were living, in this case, in Lebanon. The mother came The mother as well? To, yes, as I understand it, and then came to Australia for a period of time... Um, and and the children went back to um, to Lebanon for a holiday, and then uh, were retained by the father in Lebanon. Yeah,
0: Sim- I heard that much.
2: Yeah, and it's a similar situation. the The, the international conventions that relate to these uh, situations make a distinction between children who might travel to a country and stay there, and um, by by the unilateral decision of one parent. Um, and differentiate that slightly from parents who might agree that the child goes to another country for a period of time, whether it be for a holiday or something like that, and then uh, while they're in that country they overstay the period of time that was agreed and then they're not returned to Australia. And I think there's a little bit of that going on here.
1: Robin from Sydney, thanks so much for your question and your input today here on 2020. You can be part of our conversation, one 800 316 Our special guest this hour is family law specialist Stephen Potts. Stephen, if we get our focus back onto that uh, international convention on the civil aspects of international child abduction, how does that convention work? It, uh,
2: It Basically, it sets up a framework so that people who have had their children taken have a method by which they can have a court order the return of their children to their country. And the, uh, the good thing about it is that it doesn't strictly require the heavy involvement of lawyers. They don't have to go and work out, well, what's the law in, in New Zealand about family disputes? The, the process is that they contact a government authority in Australia. Each state in Australia has a slightly different government uh, um, department that handles it, but they all ultimately come under the, um, the Attorney-General's Department, the Federal Attorney-General's Department and they, they're given the name under the convention of a central authority. So Australia has a central authority, and the country – let's just pick New Zealand because it, it's nice and close. and
1: That's good, and, and they're not uh, in the, implicated in anything right, at yeah. the moment, so it's nice to use them. And that. they're fairly friendly people as yeah. well. So, um,
2: so New Zealand has its own central authority, and the central authority in Australia contacts the central authority in New Zealand, and the central authority in New Zealand then commences the proceedings in New Zealand for the return of the child. So, the parent left behind in Australia, or who um, they might still travel to New Zealand, for example, but they're not actually having to run the litigation, pay for the litigation. The government department sorted out um, as to what legal representation will be required in the court in that foreign jurisdiction, and then the children will be returned back to. If we use this example back to Australia and then the Australian
1: Family Court would then make a decision about where the child lives. So when the rubber hits the roads, if you are a person who has an estranged spouse or partner – And they are suggesting that they take their children or your children uh, overseas on an overseas trip. Mm. Uh, You might like to check to see who is a signatory to that convention before you actually give the okay, Because if they say, I'm taking the kids to Lebanon, uh, which is not a signatory to this convention, then you might actually have some right to say, no, you can't take my children there. Absolutely. So... The Attorney-General's Department, the Federal Attorney-General's Department actually does publish
2: a list of all of the countries who are signatories, and the the website for the Attorney-General is just www.ag.gov.au, and then follow the links through, and you'll find the details of all of the countries, because those, those countries uh, change over time in the sense that more get added. I said a little earlier that it's been around since 1980, but it was only, I think, just gone two years ago now, for example, that Japan joined. It was the start of April. Uh, 2014 that japan joined so there there are new countries that decide to ratify that convention and before you just say oh yes let let this child or our children go overseas it's probably a good idea to have a look at that that particular country and work out whether or not it is a signatory
1: to the convention and if your ex your uh, ex-husband wife or uh, ex-partner Hasn't asked your permission. It's no longer just something that uh, that governments would deal with. Actually, becomes then a a criminal issue that they've that they've taken your children out of the country. It can be if there are if there are orders in place. When there's no orders in place, it's a little bit
2: murkier because um, the the specific section of the Family Law Act that makes it an offence requires that there be an order in place. So if there's not an order in place, it's not strictly an offence, at least not under the Family Law Act. But there may be other issues, perhaps even uh, criminal issues, if children have been taken. Um, without another parent's knowledge.
1: But the real issue here is being uh, one who is cautious or takes the precaution, checks the country that the children are going to be taken to, because if you don't do that, then all of a sudden you've got a major battle on your hands to try and get your children back. Absolutely, yes. And it can take,
2: it's quick in the sense that uh, Australian government is and uh, the Australian central authorities are very quick to handle these kinds of matters, but you can't be guaranteed that the the government department in the foreign jurisdiction is going to be quick. So, um, or, or that they, uh, the, the country, if it's, if it's not a signatory, then you're really stuck. You really have to rely
1: on diplomatic channels to be able to secure the return of the children. And Steve, this permission, is it occasionally used as a weapon uh, against a, a former spouse, former partner? Uh, that sometimes where there's real animosity between two, that one wants to take the children on an overseas holiday and uh, and one partner says, no, you can't do that? Uh, certainly it is. Um,
2: that is probably the bulk of the the applications that I'm involved in are where parents want to travel overseas just for the purpose of a holiday and the other parent is not uh, agreeing either for the passports to issue or for them to go to that particular country or um, to stay as long as they would like. It's a very common uh, application that needs to be brought, unfortunately. It's, it is a fairly discreet application so that it can be dealt with just about a passport or just about travel to a particular country.
1: And it has a particular name, doesn't it? And We might talk about more about that in the next hour. Mm. Uh, if you do have a question or you have a comment about our discussion today, and we're talking about travelling overseas with children, especially when it relates to when there has been a, a marriage breakdown, a family is separated, uh, what happens in those circumstances, 1-800-316-316 is our number. Our special guest is family law specialist Stephen Potts, We'll be continuing our conversation after the news. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Stephen, there are some steps uh, that individuals can take to stop their children being taken overseas and with the potential of losing their children uh, uh, for the rest of their lives. Uh, What is that particular document that needs to be filled out to stop those things happening? There's a combination of... um of
2: options that are available. Obviously one of the most practical things that a person can do is simply to make sure that they know where the passports are and keep them safe. So uh, children aren't able to travel outside of Australia without a passport. Um, Some countries do have slightly different rules about children travelling on passports but by and large if you know where the passports are you can prevent a child from travelling overseas if you can get a hold of them and uh, there are various options for either holding that uh, passport yourself or perhaps leaving it in the safe custody of a solicitor or the safe custody of the court. That's a really practical and fairly simple way of stopping uh, people from travelling. But the the more common way when it's an urgent circumstance is actually to make an application to the family court for an order that prevents a child from travelling. So It doesn't prevent the parent from travelling, but it does prevent the child from travelling. Those, those alerts are sometimes called PACE alerts, P-A-C-E, they, they're a, a, an order that's made by the court, which is then acted upon by the Australian Federal Police. So the Australian Federal Police have a, a, a list called the Family Law Watch List. It's basically a, a big list of names of people who aren't allowed to travel, a bit like probably the security services have a, a black list of people who aren't allowed into the country. Yep. The AFP have a list of people who aren't allowed out of the country. And so when an application is made to the court for an order for uh, one of these orders for the children's names to be placed on the watch list. What, what effectively happens is that those children's names are entered into the AFP's database so that if the child's passport is scanned at an international departure point, whether that be an airport or a, a, a boat port, a seaport, um, that will flag and the AFP will come uh, running and prevent the children from uh, from getting on the plane or getting on
1: the boat. Okay, so uh, the interesting thing, just to recap there, you said protect the children's passports mm. uh, because I guess you're su- you're suggesting that perhaps an estranged partner, a former partner, may well try to steal those passports because without the passports, uh, they couldn't travel overseas. That's right. But if you've filled out this PACE alert and you would like the federal police to uh, to intervene, mm. then if your children were taken through, uh, through the uh, the the passport checking checking s- uh, system when you're when you're going to go overseas, uh, something would come up on 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 the checking uh, scanner and uh and and an alert would be there and and your children wouldn't be allowed to be taken overseas. That's correct. Uh, so okay, there's a some good precautions that you can take. And and the thing with those
2: applications too is that uh, you don't actually have to have had the order made by the court for the AFP to act on it because, as I'm sure you could understand, there are often urgent circumstances where the need to prevent the children travelling is quicker than, or the the need is more urgent than the court might even be able to allocate a hearing for it. So the Australian Federal Police will actually operate and put a temporary alert, that put the child's name on a list, as long as they get a copy of the application with evidence that it has been filed with the court. So most people... um, would know that if you have a formal document, it's, it's often given a stamp or it's given a, a whether it be a, a physical stamp, like a little red ink stamp or maybe a time stamp from a computer-lodged document. Those kinds of applications can be made online, so the forms can be lodged through the court's online system or they can be lodged physically at the court. Even if the court can't hear it for perhaps a week, a copy of that application can be given to the Australian Federal Police and the children's name can be placed on that watch list immediately and then reviewed once the court actually hears the application
1: we are taking calls 1-800-316-316 we're talking along the lines of traveling overseas with children you might have a a family law issue that you'd like to question our specialist uh, family law specialist Stephen Potts about 1-800-316-316 let's take a call from Chris in Victoria hi Chris welcome along
3: Uh, Welcome, Neil. Uh, Thanks. Uh, I just want to make a comment. More than anything, it's it's like no one's talking about the big elephant in the room, and that's once again Muslims behaving badly. Um, You know, they're showing their contempt for like our Western law and uh, their their attitudes towards women, and also like um, uh, what am I going to say? We haven't heard any, you know, like Muslim leaders in Australia condemning this man or saying anything about it, and uh, that's why I'd like a. A campaign like in Western countries to warn, like even from school age, to warn Western uh, girls, women, you know, like do not be unequally yoked, even if you're not Christian, just to be wary of like the Muslim um, um, mentality towards women and, and males. You know, just to be very carefully uh, careful about getting involved with them because. You know, they have a different mentality. That's
1: it. Some good points in that, Chris, and uh, even to the point where, as I understand it, uh, if you were a Muslim woman, you'd be forbidden of marrying someone outside of your religion. But Mm. if you're a Muslim man, it's almost a badge of honor that you've married someone uh, from perhaps the Christian religion or another religion from around the world. Uh, Some thoughts, uh, anything to add uh, and response-wise, Stephen Potts?
2: I think uh, Chris, what the issue is is certainly influenced by the religious beliefs of the individuals and from the country that they come from. But the the issue itself is even broader than that because I know I've mentioned it a couple of times today. But the Italian schoolgirls uh, case that was on the news um, three four years ago, it was an identical type of an issue from a country which would probably be considered Catholic Christian. So um, the religious uh, um, beliefs of the people is relevant um, it, it informs their motivations but the legal framework is an international legal framework that doesn't make any distinction between people of particular religious faiths or ethnicity it's based on where the children themselves were habitually resident before they were removed or retained
1: Chris from Victoria does that uh, does that add to your uh, comment uh you weren't Are really you, asking um, sorry, a question.
3: Neil, I just wanted to say, but, you know, uh, I agree with him that that case was, uh, say, uh, from a thing, but most of the cases worldwide have been of the, you know, the man has been a Muslim, yeah. Uh, that's
1: you know,
2: right. There, well, There's
3: been many cases worldwide in different countries, so, yeah.
1: And while we think of, in our Western uh, context, where men and women have equal rights when it comes to, Uh, Relationships, uh, marriage, and uh, custody, as we've been talking about our Australian context, it just isn't like that in other parts of the world. And we can be uh, somehow a little naive to think that uh, other nations might have uh, the same sorts of equality that we have had in Australia. And we could, you know, we could get uh, all sorts of religious about that uh, and talk about our Christian uh, context, which has given us that capacity to have uh, equality between men and women. That doesn't exist in all religious contexts around the world. Chris from Victoria. Thanks so much for your call today. Uh, You can be part of our conversation 1-800-316-316 to join our conversation 1-800-316-316. Stephen Potts, uh, if your former partner may be plotting to take your children, uh, those things like protecting passports and that sort of thing are very, very important. Uh, If you suspected that a former partner may be doing that, uh, what sort of other things ought you to do? Well, it might seem a little self-serving, but as a
2: family lawyer, I'd always say speak with a family lawyer because, the as is probably evident from the kinds of things that we've been talking about this morning, it is a really complicated area and it's fraught with a lot of difficulty and it is high stakes because if somebody takes off with children, um, it can be very, very difficult to get them back. But you don't want to be creating a situation which causes even more upset and angst to the children by involving them in a potentially complicated uh, legal process. So I said before that the, when the children's name might be placed on an airport watch list, that, um, that prevents them from departing the country. I have been involved in cases where um, one parent has given agreement for, for a parent to travel with a child and then subsequently withdrawn that agreement. And of course, the child has been told about the holiday in this particular case, uh, or a trip overseas to see extended family members, and then are, are stopped at the border, at the airport, or at the port by armed police. It's a very that can be a very traumatic experience for children. So, um, the importance of getting legal advice and working through the particular circumstances of that case are really important because that can. Do a lot of damage to children by them being involved in that process. Nobody wants, to, no one wants to see their parent being handcuffed by the Australian Federal Police because of a potential um, criminal activity. Um, so it needs to be handled very delicately.
1: Let me ask you, and we've had similar sorts of uh, points that we've brought out in conversation before, but as a Christian, if you find yourself in this circumstance, and it's a dreadful circumstance to find yourself in, but the way you conduct yourself uh, is going to be an important uh, way that your family potentially can flourish, even under different uh, separation arrangements. And sometimes I think of this uh, when I hear of people who get aggravated Mm -hmm. uh, because it is such an emotional area uh, that people uh, will do all sorts of uh, dreadful and sometimes tragic things because of the aggravated situation. The ability to remain assertive uh, so that you're not being walked over and yet be gentle in the process of how you treat your former spouse, Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess that's an important way to be able to conduct the affairs of trying to sort these issues out. That's right, and uh, we're fortunate that we live in a country that does have a very solid
2: framework for determining where children should live and how much time they should spend with each parent and, and what permission might be required to travel. And we also have a framework that really encourages parents to sit down and talk through those issues rather than immediately rushing off to court. So unless there are urgent circumstances or special circumstances because, of, for example, domestic violence the expectation on the court is that people would ordinarily have engaged in some form of mediation to be able to reach an agreement about their children rather than relying on the court to make the decision for them. And And that, that mediation process can cover where the passports, whether they might be issued, how they might be renewed, where they might be stored, how they might come in and out of storage. I happen to know there's many children's passports in, the, in our safe custody, for example, because parents just say, well, I will rely on the solicitors to keep them safe and uh, we will each have this mechanism by which they're released so that we can travel. And that might involve, for example, making sure that uh, there's a full itinerary of, of where the children will be traveling.
0: A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio.
1: It's Neil Johnson with you and I guess our conversation this hour inspired by what's been going on in Lebanon, the big challenge there for Australian Sally Faulkner and her estranged husband and, of course, children at the heart of a custody issue which has, in Lebanon, escalated to a criminal issue with allegations of kidnapping and, of course, a Channel 9 60 Minutes crew caught up in that whole process. We're talking about what happens here on Australian soil because while this might be being played out on the international stage and it might be in the headlines, these sorts of issues are being uh, suffered by so many families here in Australia where there's been a breakup of a marriage, a separation of a family, children who are at the heart of custody issues and sometimes uh, a family lawyer is involved in those issues. Uh, we are taking calls one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen 316 316 if you'd like to be part of our conversation and Our special guest this hour is family law specialist Stephen Potts. Uh, Let's take another call. Uh, Let's hear from Trevor in Kalgoorlie in WA. Hello, Trevor. Welcome along to 2020. Uh, Yes, good morning. Trevor, Um, what are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, just uh, curious. I'm going through negotiation or or trying to with my partner at the moment to take the children away for Christmas overseas. Mm -hmm. And um, besides, obviously, a letter from her stating that it's, find to take the children if she decides at a later stage she wants to put a block on that Um, where does that leave me or do I need to go through the court system in order to verify that it can't be revoked? That's a great question Trevor and it's a
2: question that uh, I often have uh, asked of me as to well we've reached this informal agreement what happens if they change (laughs) their mind later? The short answer is that If they do change their mind later and you don't have some form of written agreement, whether it be a parenting plan or a court order, then you may well be stopped at the departure point by the Australian Federal Police. So the safest way to ensure that it doesn't happen is to enter into a parenting plan. So that's a written document between both of you as parents that sets out the arrangements for that travel. Um, And if you can't reach an agreement about that, then it might be necessary to make an application to court. Can I say to you that given that it's April now and you're looking at going at Christmas, I'd be looking to make uh, as much progress as you can on those negotiations as soon as you can because the family court is particularly busy at Christmas um, and Mm -hmm. in the lead up to Christmas and the last thing you would want is to be trying to book tickets um, and finding out that the court hearing is not going to uh, take place before you want to leave. So... Uh, th- as much time as you can spend on those negotiations now it is beneficial and the use of a, a family dispute resolution organisation, a mediation service would be would be really helpful. In terms of some things that you can do with your former partner just to, I guess, smooth the waters is to agree to a mechanism that might um, give her as much assurance about what's happening. So for example, If you're looking to go overseas to a particular country and um, booking tickets, then providing her with a copy of the itinerary as to where you're going, telephone numbers of the hotels that you might be staying at, uh, a telephone number that uh, she might be able to contact the uh, child or children on while you're travelling or email addresses, things like that is helpful. Um, Having a look at the particular country that you're going to, for example, is it a signatory to that convention on the civil aspects of international child abduction? You can check that on the Attorney General's website. And the other website that's often helpful um, is the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade have their Smart Traveller website, which lists uh, the safety of particular countries and uh, whether it's uh, a degree of caution should be exercised or certain countries, for example, obvious ones would be Iraq, Afghanistan, places like that, have do not travel. Um yep. There are other countries where it might be safe to go to some parts and not others. So the Philippines is a good example. The Philippines can be quite safe in some parts, and the southern end of the Philippines can be quite dangerous. So just having that information and, and being up and open and saying, well, this is where we're looking to go. Here is the Department of Foreign Affairs travel advice. It says that it's fine. Here's where I'll be away. Uh, this is the amount of time that I'll be away for, and these are the contact numbers on which you can reach me. All of that will go a long way to making sure that there's clear communication between you both. Yep. If she still says no and you need to make the application to court, you haven't wasted your time because the court's going to ask you for exactly the same information. So the, the ability to lay all of that information out in a really logical and systematic fashion is both going to reduce the likelihood that you'll need to go to court and will also assist you when you, if, if and when you do have to go to court to make the give the judge all of the information that she or he needs to determine whether you should be able
1: to go. Yep. Yeah. Does that answer your question Trevor?
3: It does. Thank you very much. Uh,
1: and Trevor, i will encourage you and uh, thanks so much for your call, but uh, there was an awful lot in that response. And uh, just to encourage you, we'll have a podcast of this conversation up on our 2020 page on our website at vision.org.au a little later on this afternoon and uh, I think Trevor will be one of those who will review that because there was an awful lot in that response and I, I hope Trevor was taking some notes. Uh, When we talk about the uh, issues that go on with the separation of a family, uh, sometimes uh, people will do reckless things and uh, all of the uh, the issues that you've said to, to protect yourself, uh, there's there's going to be people who are going to do reckless things, mm. and sometimes putting the children at risk. Is this what you would tend to find? Is this something that is that is norm uh, norm? If 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 uh, an ex partner is going to do something, take the children somewhere, they're putting the children at risk, aren't they? They are, and um, and the
2: court obviously takes those issues very seriously and looks to, to put in place mechanisms to stop that happening, to stop children from being exposed to that kind of conflict. And that's why I think that's part of the thinking behind the Australian Federal Police acting on the application even if a judge hasn't heard it because it's it's too late. If the children have boarded that plane and they're in that foreign jurisdiction, it's too late. So that's why the Federal Police will act on an application even if it's not been determined by a judge because it, it helps to prevent the consequences of that reckless behavior.
1: We're running out of time, Steve. Uh, Let me ask you about the courts Uh, because, you know, the the image of uh, the magistrate or the judge sitting on the bench, uh, and that's a very daunting sort of an image. Uh, I suspect that people who are sitting on the bench making decisions about these things, family court judges and uh, even everybody who's involved in the whole process, uh, they are not necessarily uh, looking to each of the separated partners to favour one or the other, but they have the children their children's interest at heart. That's right. There's a specific provision
2: in the Family Law Act, which governs Australian family law, that says that the children's best interests is the paramount consideration. It's often called the paramountcy principle. So imagine it as a, as a pair of glasses. It's the lenses that the judge looks through whenever they make a decision about um, children, whether where they should live, whether they should travel, how much time they should spend with a parent. And it's the same. If a parent wants to travel, with children and the other parents opposing them, the, ch- the, the judge is still going to be making a decision about what is in the best interests of this particular child.
1: Well, as time draws to a close, uh, as we reflect on what's going on in Lebanon, uh, Sally Faulkner, her estranged husband, those children at the centre of all of that, and uh, something of an inspiration for today's discussion because this is happening here in Australia. It's not something that you see on the headlines, Uh, And assume that somehow or other that happens overseas. It is happening here. And I suspect that uh, arming yourself by being informed is the best way forward. So if you are in a recent separated uh, relationship, if children are uh, the issue or whether they're a part of a custody battle, uh, getting informed is the best way forward. That's right and, and we're fortunate that the, the government does
2: publish a lot of information on the Attorney-General's website about uh, travelling overseas with children and, and the Passports Office through the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade is a very helpful resource as well.
1: You mentioned the website for the Attorney-General's department, ag... ag.gov.au, nice and easy. And uh, i a uh, quick mention too of uh, the website where people may well want to contact you, of course uh, the Uh, Newman and Turner Lawyers, based in Brisbane. The website for Newman and Turner Lawyers, of which Stephen Potts is the managing director, uh, is ntlawyers.com.au. That's ntlawyers.com.au if you would like to contact Stephen Potts. Stephen, uh, great getting your insights, as usual, on these complicated, uh, difficult issues, uh, but great insights again today. Thanks so much for being with us on 2020. It's been good to talk. Thanks.